Welcome back to the Prospecting Show. Today is September 23rd, and we have Francois Gao on the call. How are you? Doing fine. Thank you, Connor, for having us. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, before we got on the call here, we're talking a little bit uh, about what the Prospecting Show is. And and for the people who kind of are on the back half of the show and have listened to some of the entrepreneurial highlights, what we do on the show here is interview people that are specialists either in sales or marketing or both. And uh, we came across a lot of great people online through LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, you know, different different channels of, of where we've met people. And you and I started talking, I believe, originally from LinkedIn. So to, to kick things off, um, tell us a little bit about your company and what it is you do. So I'm the CEO of Levy Marketers for Growth and Technology Company in Pittsburgh. And what we do is we provide business development services. So it's a combination of sales, CRM support, strategy around where do we want to go, how do we want to attack the market, and then we do a lot of marketing support also through um, marketing automation and inbound techniques. So typical customers, um, small to medium enterprise, we have large divisions of larger companies that also are clients of ours ranging from California all the way down to Stockholm, um, Sweden. So highly specialized in anything industrial, technical, technology, uh, B2B, um, less sexy, put it this way, than Nike shoes or Ben & Jerry's ice cream, um, where you need to have multiple touches um, between a specker, a buyer, and and a payer within our typical um, sales cycle. And uh, we're trying to apply where it's correct. And so, you know, with with the kind of work that you're doing, you talk about you guys in the B2B space, what do you find is the most difficult thing about getting a deal open to close, right? Because the, the sales cycle is so much longer than the consumer front and the type of customer is totally different. So what what is it that you guys do to help either compress or optimize the length of the sales cycle? Very good question. Um, The most important thing is bidding on the right deals. So there's a huge amount of work that needs to be done up front to make sure we're essentially targeting the right uh, markets and the right customers and uh, making sure we got a complete understanding where our DNA is. I use the word DNA because everybody understands that. Every firm is different. Every company is different, but we always have that special thing that that very few people have. Once you know that and you start defining what is the ideal customer and defining where more of these people are and looking at your geographies, how you go to market channels and all that things, this is the precursor, Connor. Um, Once you've done that investment, um the next big question is how do i position my then newly defined or you know improved value proposition and that's the second element of the investment and once we got those two pieces in place the third one is well now how do we reach them and again like i said earlier in the intro account-based market management, targeted mass mailers. There's so much ways you can skin a cat here, depending on the market. I don't want to be generalistic, but 
the technique that you use will be adapted to the type of markets you're looking for. If it's a small piece of gear that you're selling to many users, it's probably going to be better to do some mass marketing and then kind of close deals from there. If it's a very narrow market, you're selling very complex technology or complex products to very few customers in the world, then it's no point spending money on mass marketing. Just kind of use a technique called ABM and that's much more more efficient. Um, so if you don't know three things correctly, um, the time to cash, as I call it, is reasonable. I wouldn't say it's, um, it's great by all means, but if you're fishing in the wrong pond with the wrong bait and you're going to be there all day before somebody, somebody takes the bait, um, if you're fishing in the right pond with the right bait, everybody will tell you it's a little faster to get a fish on the hook. I, I hate to use this analogy, but I think it, it it pays dividend to kind of visualize it. Yeah, no, and that's an interesting point too, because at the end of the day, um, we're, we're talking about the sales cycle length, and you can certainly lengthen the sales cycle by fishing in the wrong pond, so to speak, right? If you right. if you have the wrong product market fit, or the wrong message, or the right or a wrong target, it's going to be something that's going to definitely push it. Um, into the future uh, further. So because you guys are so B2B focused, are you doing more organic, more paid strategies, a mix of both? Like what, where do you find the balances between the, the paid and the organic side of work? Well, really good question. I've been, um, we, I purchased Levy about two years ago and we're, trans we're in transformative mode right now. Um, over two years now that we've been doing this, um, bringing in some of the, the lessons I've learned when I was in corporate, you know, much larger corporations where I used to work before. Um, you bring that down to a small and medium enterprise. The first thing we have to do is to connect with our current customers. Amazingly, not a lot of people know how to do this well. What I mean by connect, it's very simple. You have a list of contacts. Everyone has it. It's your cell phone. It's in your Outlook. It's in your, if you still have it, your Act database. You may have Salesforce.com, blah, blah, blah. All these kind of CRM tools or even simple um, business card folders. Grab them, segment them, curate them, make sure there's somebody on the other line that they haven't changed jobs or worse, and then start connecting with them. Start having a conversation. The simple thing you can do is a newsletter. Yeah, that worked. So that's kind of like crawl, walk, run, right? You, you gotta think about this three steps in marketing. So crawl, once you've defined who you wanna talk to and blah, 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 grab the customers in the portfolio and start talking to them. It's easier to sell more to somebody who already knows you than to go after white space. The second step in that process is we call it augment. So from connect, when you graduate from that, a couple of months into it, maybe three, then you go to this phase called augment, which at that point in time, what would like to do is um, expand your reach and then starting to get into, okay, now I need to get to Milwaukee or I need to get to Alabama or I need to go to California, right? So now you're going to acquire contacts through research, everybody does that, right? Going on LinkedIn and so forth and other places and start finding people and adding them to your list one at a time. Usually my, my counsel is about 10% more every month 
uh, from your base. So if you kind of consider doing contact acquisition, then you can. But it's 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 hard work. You got you gotta you gotta really search for the right uh, people that are in that sweet zone that you want to target, and you have to be geographically centered because it's just too much to do it nationally or internationally at one go. So we call that you know expand. And, and around around your, your your connect and then the third step once you've grown through those two steps uh, over a period of six to nine months we call it amplify and this is where we bring very surgical digital advertising paid ads if you want to, to keep it simple uh, where we retarget people that we've identified through our personal research and uh, they're, they're attending a certain conference they're interested in certain uh, keywords um, we go find them affinitize them group them and then place advertisement to them uh, on a redirect basis or some other form of technology so the, the mix of budget as you progress in this is very cheap to do connect uh, it's not very difficult and um, there's free software to help you do that once you get into expand it's a little more involved because you have to have a marketing automation service and tool and some other some other um, uh, expenses associated with that and then once you go to amplify obviously the sky's the limit because uh, paid advertising can be expensive um, but it's very worth every penny of it compared to more traditional outbound uh, advertising techniques yeah, and when you talk about uh, the balance between quality and quantity, right? We talked about transitioning maybe from more organic into more paid ads if you want to, like you said, the sky's the limit. So when do you make that transition between inbound and outbound? Do you recommend both at the same time? You know, inbound being you place an ad, somebody comes inbound through that channel versus outbound being, you know, something like a direct mail piece. So what do you always do both or do you transition from one to the other? What are your recommendations there? A typical customer is, uh, it depends, every situation is, 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 is different. But it, my research and what seems to work for most of us is about 70-30. 70% inbound, 30% outbound. Um, like you're going to a trade show, boom, that goes into the outbound category. You're going to set up a webinar on how to teach people on how to plug two bits together. That's what you're into. That's inbound and that's more valuable because you're you're creating that thought leadership and you're dragging people through the interest into your position and your brand as a thought leader rather hey I got a widget you want one so it's the 70-30 you can't ignore the traditional advertising method and the traditional media like if trade show was still current right now it's a problem because they're all virtual right how, how, how do you grab those people from an outbound technique and, and like like an ad on the highway might not be that effective to, to be honest with you however an ad into a trade journal in the editorial month that is very aligned to to your dna that may be worth it so it's called brand management or brand awareness creation um so i still want to have this bit of a balance between outbound and inbound it's not just one and zeros you know it's just you gotta you gotta have a bit of a mix yeah and and so when you work with these different companies right and you kind of take them through this customer journey of, of building up their brand and, and and figuring out the outbound versus inbound and going to paid and non-paid 
what amount of time do you test something for typically before you say, hey, this is a good idea or hey, this is not a good idea? Again, it's, you're going to hate my answer. It depends. Um, digital advertising, to do it right, takes about 30 days to kick in the gear to kind of find your 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 sweet spot, as I would say. And you, you, you start seeing benefits within 45 to 60 days. That's kind of our experience in B2B. So it's not for the faint of heart. Um, you gotta you, you gotta trust your instincts and trust also your experts. And uh, kind of this is an investment. So 45 to 60 day, you will know if it was a bad idea, a very good one. Um, that's kind of on the extreme end of the the campaigns we're doing. More traditionally, if I do a, a, a connect campaign with, you know, uh, lists and smart messaging associated to personals, we do an A and B testing, which is comparing different messages and test which group's going to respond to the to, to which better. Uh, you know, within 48 to 72 hours, which one is the better of the two or more tests that you want to do during that period. So if I want to message to different personas within the same market segment, so I'm in oil and gas and I want to reach the uh, completion people and I want to reach the senior buyers in Houston area, well, you're going to know fairly quick if it's working or not within weeks, usually. So I hope this explained a little bit. There's a nuance and a difference in all that, but we test typical, you know, newsletter within 24, 48 hours, you know. Uh, smart messaging takes about a week or two, and then digital advertising was complex retargeting for more than 45 to 60 days. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you talk about the retargeting component, right? Because there's a lot of these um, specialty techniques that I, I think there's some theories out there on the consumer side, maybe even the B2B side now, but with everything going on demand, right? Like you got Netflix and you got some of these on-demand stations. I feel like the TV is going to become the next Facebook or, you know, because you, you're going to be able to run like a banner ad, I'm assuming, on Netflix, you know, to a local area based on a zip code and, and maybe some household income. Do you see that as being something that's potentially possible in the future? I know it's more on the business to consumer side, but do you see that as a as a custom play or the next kind of option that's available for marketing? I, I have to admit, I, I probably see it coming, but not in the immediate future. Well, let me explain why. About 46%, I believe, and I'll have to check the numbers if somebody wants to, 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 to challenge me on that, but about 46% of the work population right now in our buyers um, domain, meaning the uh, technical buyers, the coding engineers, all the, um, all, all, all the supply chain um, domain, um, 47% I believe right now are so-called millennials and Generation Z, okay? Um, with that in mind, it's only a matter of time that they're going to find different ways to be informed about a new way of doing things, which is one of the first steps into the customer journey from our perspective is being interested or aware that 
something exists that could be better than what they have or they don't know what they need but at least we have it so in in the first journey of the customer here where do they get their information currently from what we see it's between youtube instagram you know all the social media are the platforms of choice right now uh, a website is interesting but it becomes secondary which is rather interesting compared to the previous generations right um so i'm gonna have to follow your leap of faith here and say okay what are the other things we don't know yet about and that are seemingly working for consumers and that we should tap into as business to business leaders i'm not seeing it yet in terms of going outside of the more traditional web-based or social-based marketing um, but a local um, plug into a local network for some companies has proven to be pretty good so it's a small investment and then try it and see how it works it depends what you're doing um, if you're a national brand it will become quite expensive really quick right if you're a local brand maybe yeah, and, and I think you're, that, that brings a good point to the table, right? Like if it's a local lawyer's office, there might be an opportunity to run some of these direct, super highly targeted, you know, within 20 miles of their office, certain demographics, these kind of like direct response type uh, marketing. But you're right. I think it's probably the technology might be further away and it's also going to be extremely expensive so that the traditional methods that exist right now are continuing to scale. Um, one of the things that I'm seeing, and maybe tell me if you're seeing this too, is like the speed of transactions right now seem to be faster than they used to be. People are making decisions quicker from my experience recently um, because they're trying to get out of the hole, right? They're trying to get things going again. Are you seeing that trend with your customer base and kind of your, your business that people are rapidly making decisions to be able to get to the next step now? Yes. Um, it's actually a trend that started way before the pandemic, to be honest with you. I've, I've witnessed that probably my first go around with what I call instant gratification. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this idea that um, we're complicated. We're going to have six million hours of calls before we can send you a proposal. And uh, this is going by the wayside by the day. I'm working with quite a few customers right now to revamp the quotation process which we don't think often about but it's no point going to market and no point going to sales and pounding the bushes and getting leads and getting targets and then it takes you three weeks to quote anything and when we get faced to that part of what i do is we have to look into our quotation systems and figure out what to do to make it instant Yes, I repeat, instant. Um, to, to your point earlier, and I'm, I'm deviating a bit, but I'm gonna go back to it. So to your point earlier, they wanna make decisions ASAP. Guess what? If they sent you a request for quotation or ask for a call, about two thirds of their research is already being done. They know what they want. So the traditional sales call going like, yeah, let me explain. We have six buildings, we have 2,800 people, we, <clears throat> we do this and that, we're the leader in this, they know all this, or worse, they don't care. Um, so we have to realign that entire sales journey 
to the new world of dealing with those kinds of instant gratification. So what we found out, if you, re if you reduce your rotation time by 30% from three days to two days, your pickup rate is improved by 30%. This is an amazing stat, okay? So, and if you peel down the why is that, and this is empirical research right now. I do. Re I haven't really found anything that's that that I can grab my arm around and then say that's that's grounded. But empirical research and working with those people for the past two years is like amazingly the first quote gets the pick. So if you if you're the first respondent to a quote, your chances of getting the business is much higher than in the past, and. That's the fundamental. So you've done all your work, you know where you're gonna fish, in which pond, what are the customers and targets, you've done the sales approach, you've converted them to 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 to, to, to quote request, and now you cannot deliver that instantly. That hurts. Yeah, okay. that, that's that's really interesting you say that because one of the things that we do in, in one of our companies, Syntax, which, which is B2B focused as well, um, is we only have two different options for the whole company. And so with us, like we have a proposal system that we've built out that only has two options and the client fill in their details and it executes our agreements. And because we only have two options, yeah, is there opportunity for scoping stuff on bigger projects? Sure, but we no longer do 50 different proposals for each client, right? We have one of each option and they can choose one of those two. And if it doesn't fit, it just doesn't fit. And for us, a lot of people look at that and say, well, that's really a canned proposal. And it's like, yeah, but we want to put out as many proposals as possible, right? Our goal is to put out 30 proposals a week, every week. And the way we do that is by not having a custom proposal every single time, right? They can put their name on it. They can sign it. They can, there could be a scope area if it's absolutely necessary. But the things that we offer are very select and specific. So there's really no need to customize it. And I think you're right that one of the reasons that we're successful right now is every person that we talk to on the phone in our process of figuring out if they're going to be a good fit to work together, we send the proposal to them with if they're interested or not. It's just like, hey, here's the proposal. Here's everything that's included. If, you, if you're interested in moving forward, great. If not, no problem. But at least they get something immediately when they get off the phone and they get something that's in writing that's actually detailed enough, but it's not 50 pages long. So 100% agree with what you're talking about. You know, got to systematize it and make it easy and fast to get it out the door. Um, so, so one of my last questions to you here, because I like to keep these, you know, about 20 minutes on the prospecting show. Give us your ideal customer, your ideal target. I know we talked early on in the episode, but give us your ideal customer, and then how can they reach out to you and find more information and potentially work with you? Fantastic, yes, Connor. So let me kind of do that very quickly. Uh, if you make something or you help people make something, we can help. Um, that's the high level. The secondary level would prefer. Um, thanks for the great question, Connor. Yes, um, typical customers of ours and the, the, the so do it again. Um, can you set the, set the question again? Yeah, so, so the question is, you know, for the people who are listening to the show, that we got a lot of entrepreneurs here, we got 7,000 people listening every episode, and they have businesses. 
Tell us about your ideal customer, your perfect customer, what that looks like, and then how they can reach out to you. Okay. So, Kono, that's a great question. So, um, typical customers that, that we work well with are people making things or helping people make things. So if you're in manufacturing, um, if you're in software enablement for manufacturing, we can help. Um, the longer the sales cycle, the, ba- the better. And privately owned or uh, publicly owned, proviso that you're agile and you're willing to make changes. These are the traits of a best customer from outside. Uh, you make things, or you help make things. Um, you have a burning platform, you have a desire to change, and you're agile and fast. That we can help with. Awesome. And, and for the people who fit that profile or fit that, that, that kind of metric or avatar, what is the best way for them to reach you? Best way is to reach me by email. That's the old fashioned way at Francois, F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S, at Levy, L-E-V-Y, I-N-D, dot com. Repeat, Francois, at Levy, I-N-D, dot com. Um, other ways you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my uh, profile is under Francois Go, one word. So you probably can find me fairly quickly there. And then uh, we'll take it from there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the prospecting show. I know it's always unique to have other businesses that are in the B2B space. We have a a large customer base and a large you know group of people with different backgrounds coming on the show. So I appreciate um, the fact that you guys have a, a big diversity, right? You have so many different things that you're able to deliver to your customers, but you're extremely niche down. So thank you for spending time out of your day coming on the show and have an awesome day. Thank you, Connor.